0: It's Tuesday, January 7th. Welcome to Market Fullery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio, Bill Barker. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. We're going to dip into the full mailbag, and that's pretty much it because honestly, it's a slow news day. It's a slow news day with the exception of this one retail story, which is in its own way remarkable, and that is that Pier 1 Imports is closing 450 locations. Pier One is cutting jobs. Not surprisingly, the stock is down about 15%. And I don't know about you, but when I first saw this news, my initial thought was, wait a minute, Pier One has more than 450 locations? And in fact, they do. When you go to their website, they say that they have over 1,000 locations. And I think, as we've talked about with other bricks-and-mortar retailers in the past, I think I've identified Maybe the major problem facing Pier One Imports, which is they have way too many locations. Even even cutting roughly half of them, they still have way too many. Uh, so I
1: feel a tension here. The, <laughs> the 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 easy place to go, and I'm sure that we'll be going there, is you know to to mock the whole situation here. Uh, and, I don't and want to d- mock dance upon the grave of this perhaps once proud company um, and. You know there are employees that are going to be losing their jobs, and there are going to be, uh, I guess, uh, some some more uh, space in malls to, to fill. So, uh, nevertheless, I think we're going to quickly get to mocking this whole thing because, why, yeah, why did there need to be a thousand stores at this point when I think, having done the math recently, the number of people that actually go to Pier One rounds to zero, and and so it seems like a thousand stores is roughly a thousand too many.
0: It's not a thousand too many, and and I'm not looking to mock them. I I'm looking to be more like you know, and I'll date myself with this reference. I'm looking to be like Quincy and do an autopsy and just be like, how did we get to this point? How did they go from wherever they started to a thousand locations? Because you go to their website and and just sort of the in the FAQ about Pier One section where they say we have over a thousand locations. The first line about their company is, Pier 1 Imports is dedicated to offering customers distinct home furnishings and decor at a good value. That right there, just that in and of itself, distinct home furnishings and decor at a good value, that's a viable business. That is absolutely a viable business for someone. But at some point along the way, I don't know if they got drunk with power or Private equity got involved, but something happened that made them say, Oh, this is a world dominating business idea. It's like, no, you have a good business idea and it can work on a certain level. This is not a we need a thousand locations business idea.
1: I'm going to back up and challenge you on part of that um, because uh, can you repeat the phrase? Was it distinct home furnishings? Distinct home furnishings. See, I think you need a little bit more. You need distinct and desired home furnishings. Because when I happened to be in a Pier 1 store, and I think I can recall maybe 15 years ago doing so, walking around and just seeing this stuff and thinking, like, I I don't know what you do with any of this stuff. It's stuff that you put on a shelf, as far as I can tell, and then it it appears to, to be from Pier 1. Uh, and, and so I think that the I get distinct home furnishings, uh, if true, but if it's just a bunch of stuff that nobody actually knows why they bought after they bought it, then your business model is not great.
0: How is this company still around? And where do they go from here? Because recently on this show, we talked about Bed Bath and Beyond, which appears to be in the early stages of a turnaround they've got a new CEO, he's got a vision, they're doing some interesting things with the real estate. and Bed Bath & Beyond, I think, at a minimum, is no longer a stock that someone looking to short stocks, uh, I think they should stay away from Bed Bath & Beyond. So, I'm not saying Pier 1 is going straight to zero, but holy cow, they, they seem like they're in an even tougher spot than Bed Bath & Beyond was.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty tough balance sheet. I don't see uh, where the light at the end of this tunnel is going to be. I think I, maybe that they had had a uh, reverse stock split or something in the recent past. Uh, I'm looking at their, their book value per share. They're only uh, 4 million shares, so I'm pretty sure they, they had some sort of re- reverse stock split. Um, the total share uh, book value per share was $75 a share. Back uh, four years ago, and today it's negative $35 a share, which implies you take all the cash, you take the value of everything, their inventory, everything they've got, and then you subtract the debt and you get a negative number. And it's, uh, you know, so when you're buying a share of Pier 1 today, you're getting negative $35 of tangible book value, which is a pretty bad bet. Now, that said, Amazon, once upon a time, had uh, negative, I think, tangible book value but per share. But uh, still, I mean, that's a very, very, very different equation.
0: A very different equation. And I don't think we ever heard Jeff Bezos use a phrase that uh, the CEO of Pure One used um, in sharing recent uh, informa- material information about third quarter. So, what was the. Because you, you slacked this to me this morning. You are like, can we talk about this phrase that the CEO used? Uh, it was like, fiscal third quarter sales and margins remained under pressure as we completed our efforts to clear out non go forward merchandise. Yes, non go forward with two hyphens. Um, it's just not a word.
1: You're not allowed to do that. It, when you get to the point where you're, you, you know, your use is going to non-go-forward merchandise. It's discontinued, how about that? How about the stuff? you know? Exa- There's other words that are more accurate than non-go-forward, and you're just hiding behind hyphens at that point.
0: I'd be more apt to get on board with this phrase if I had ever heard anyone in the retail industry use the phrase, go-forward merchandise. It's like, well, we got two types of merchandise. We got the go forward. We got the non go forward. It's like, I'm sorry. What is non go forward? I can see using it in my own vocabulary, you know, <laughs> to get back
1: to things we are mocking. Um, you know, uh, this, you know, if somebody orders another round of drinks and you're you're like, no, 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 this is a non go forward uh, round of drinks for me. We're, that, that's not happening. That's that's what you're implying.
0: I think that's I think that's true, and I think it's our duty. Just as in the month of December, uh, we take it upon ourselves to share holiday music that doesn't see the light of day on broadcast radio stations. I think, I think, yeah. Let's let's try and make non-go-forward happen. That it sounds like that's what you're saying. That's the major takeaway in terms of Pier One imports.
1: Let's try to make that happen. That is what they are going to come out of this with.
0: I think. Uh, got a question from Tony Ross um, that I think does actually tie into Pier 1 Imports in a way. Uh, Tony asks, I was listening to the episode you did last week where you talked about looking under the Christmas tree and seeing ticker symbols, and I couldn't help but think about Peter Lynch's book, Beating the Street, especially when Peter Lynch talks about going to the mall back in the day with his kids and just observing what they buy and looking at that as investing opportunities. My question is, call it Circadian rhythms or full circles should fool investors. Readopt this strategy. Thanks, and please keep up the good work. Uh, thanks for the question, Tony. Thanks for listening. Uh, what do you think?
1: Well, I think that in terms of uh, rereading Lynch, yes, I think that's a good strategy to revisit uh, and uh, revisit full circle. But in terms of uh, malls themselves, perhaps in the sense that if you go to a mall and somebody is actually going into stores there. Uh, that distinguishes it from the situation of many other companies, such as Pure One, which doesn't exist solely in malls, but has mall locations. And you know the number of stores which are getting hammered uh, because they are mall based, and that is not where the uh, purchasing power is is going. Is going more and more online. Um, you know, apply Lynch's logic to things that you do. If you had been doing that, you know, years ago, and had arrived. Oh, I seem to be shopping a lot more on Amazon than you'd be happy today with having applied that logic. And you know, it, it, I went to a couple malls during uh, Christmas season. Did you?
0: I'm trying to think. Um, no, I don't think I did. I don't think I went to actual malls. I went to physical stores, you know, uh, Walmart. Uh, one-time uh, target a couple of times
1: I think I my experience was I think misleading uh, and so the, what you don't want to do is apply Lynch's logic too anecdotally because you'll come away with the wrong lessons I went to Tyson's corner uh, mall here big mall here um, on a Saturday maybe the week before Christmas and let me the, guess was it crowded well I couldn't park there I, you go. I spent about 20 minutes looking for parking couldn't park now, I don't think that is a good bit of data for how malls as a whole are doing.
0: I was going to say, should we go back to Tyson's Corner this Saturday <laughs> and see if you can find parking because I'm guessing you can.
1: Uh and it was at King of Prussia Mall, uh in in, uh, in or near my hometown and uh That was very busy. Uh, But I don't think that uh, as a whole, malls are doing well, and that's where you want to be invested in over the long term. But if you go to a mall and you see a lot of people going into a store that you had not heard of, that is something maybe a reason to uh, look into. Like, what is this place? I've never heard of it, and yet everybody's shopping here. Maybe you're uh, going to get in early on something.
0: Well, and going back to Tony's question, I mean, it's Peter Lynch going to the mall with his kids. I think. Uh, If you have kids, it's usually a worthwhile endeavor as an investor. Occasionally, to check in with what is of interest to your children at any given moment, because that can lead you to things that are not necessarily um, right in your purview, whether it's video games or entertainment or social media, that sort of thing. Um, When we were uh, uh, training emails this morning, I um, I say every day on Wall Street. A list comes out, and the list is, here are the analyst upgrades and downgrades for the day. And I sent that to you and said, hey, is there anything here of interest to you? And not only was there not anything of interest to you, um, you dug deep into the archives uh, for something that you wrote 20 years ago about price targets. Yes. Care to share?
1: I was wondering if there was going to be a question there. That's Just a the declaration. I'm agreeing with your description of the events between us this morning. You are correct,
0: sir. I'm going to channel a sports reporter. Talk about that. <laughs> Coach, great second half. Talk about that. So,
1: uh, this article, and uh, I don't know if you want to post it, it's not available on the Motley Fool website. you got to go to the Wayback Machine. The uh, Internet Archive. I'll put to, that to out on that. the Market
0: Twitter uh, feed, Yeah, it's because it's, it's not a bad article, uh, and it's it's. Uh, I didn't read the article. It no, ha- I know that it has a great headline though, and and the headline is the unbearable silliness of price targets. Yeah. Now, not everybody would get that reference today. Um, is it a reference to the unbearable likeness of being? Exactly. You would get it
1: because I'm old. Much like myself, you're old. But uh, the kids, they might not know what that's a reference to. But it was an Academy Award-nominated uh, picture, as I recall. Uh, and anyway, the, the article is is actually taking apart an analyst uh, price target on um, a one-time uh, competitor, theStreet.com, and uh, it's it's really just going into the analyst work. And so I do think that uh, analyst reports are well worth reading. The price targets and the buy/seller hold. Sort of what appears to be the bottom line, there are, and I think this has improved in the 20 years since I wrote this, but there were almost no. Cells issued back then. There are a few more today. Uh, there have been some changes in the industry, but still, things are basically rated either buy or hold, or you know overweight or normal weight and market weight. Uh, so I, I don't think the bottom lines and that what appears to be the bottom lines a, a difference in the price target, a difference in buy, sell or hold. That's what matters. It's the words in between that you can learn from. Uh, unfortunately, the things that are the only part that sort of seeps into, um, you know, the most people's knowledge is oh, there's a re-rating here. The the reasons for that need to be explored, and sometimes they're persuasive, sometimes they're not. But but all that you see in the headlines uh, are you know are are the price targets and the ratings.
0: Yeah, it 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 really is uh, the the least valuable, and for me, as well as you, the least interesting part of the analyst reports that come out every day. It's just like, oh, I don't even care what the price target is. I just want to know, what are they saying about the business? Where do they think this is going, whether it's positive or negative?
1: Yeah. And, and, but the, there's not enough time to go into all that, usually, in the, in the reports that you see in the media. So, it's just the, oh, something was uh, re-rated from you know, the hold to, to buy therefore the price goes up. It does typically, I mean one of the reasons you see this is that the analyst reports tend to have an effect over extremely short periods of time, like the morning uh, or maybe the full day that that will produce a couple percent move. One of the reasons that it does so is it's amplified by the media. So and so put out a report, here's the, you know, they're saying buy whereas yesterday they were they were saying hold. That gets amplified. people see it, they react, thinking that they're getting in uh, ahead of something. And so uh, the effect tends to go away pretty quickly. But you know there's a lot of good work being done. Uh, it's just not captured in the you know the price targets.
0: Our email address is MarketFoolery at Fool.com. Email from Jamie Box in Toronto, who writes, I listened to your apropos of Canada episode. Jim Gillies neglected to mention Harvey's. Harvey's is a burger chain that beats McDonald's, Burger King, and even Wendy's hands down. However, they too have been struggling, much like Second Cup, which was the coffee chain that Jim had mentioned. Uh, I'm almost certain that Jim Gillies would agree. All the best from the great white north. Uh, Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for listening. I I had not heard of Harvey's. And Jamie's right. No mention of Harvey's from Gillies, which is one more thing we can punish him for.
1: Jim Gillies likes a good burger, though. So, I am willing to agree that he would agree that this is a good burger.
0: Is that Yeah, but why do you think he neglected to mention it, then? Uh, lethar- Did, lethargy. Oh, uh, I was thinking something far more nefarious, like maybe Big Burger had gotten to him and said, Look, "You keep your mouth shut about Harvey's. We've got them right where we, we want them, and we Did don't." Did we talk burgers? No, we didn't. But we, we talked were- coffee. We talked coffee. Donuts. We were talking about um, Canada. All things Canada. All things Canada. And- All things that we know
1: about Canada. Right, and that's a short show, but Gilly's made
0: it a little bit longer. <laughs> a little bit longer. Um, are you going to be traveling to the Great White North? Because you've you've got some travels coming up, and and you had floated the idea of at least the attractiveness of a cross country drive.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about driving across the country in March, uh, and and then I have to get back apparently. And one way, and if I end uh, the trip in uh, in or near Seattle and Vancouver, to Places I've never been. Um, I could drive back through Canada, but it's March. And as you know, the winter lasts until June in Canada. Right. And um, they don't plow the roads, right? Like everybody's just snowed in, right? From like September
0: to June. I mean, there are obviously dog sleds, that's a major mode of transportation. And uh, I wouldn't make dogs pull my car Oh no, I wasn't suggesting you would. I'm saying that's how, you know, for people who are venturing out in Canada, you know, from now till the like mid June, it's mainly dog sleds. Uh obviously if you if it's a short trip you've got your your snowshoes, that sort of thing. Um but yeah I think I think driving would be Yeah, uh, I don't
1: think you can drive across Canada during um you know, except like August, I think. July and August. July and August. Yeah. Otherwise,
0: you better just hunker down where you are, try to get through the winter. Maybe get to Harvey's, get a burger. Exactly. As long as it's still in business. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolry. The show's mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.